I don't do anything that my daddy doesn't let me do. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp. Today we have the third and final part of Ricebrook's message about the last Adam. And he's talking to us about how Jesus did everything the Father asked of him. And how awesome it was that he was like, I don't do anything that my daddy doesn't want me to do. And how as humans and as children of God, you know, we should acquire the same attitude that we want to do everything that God wants us to do. We want to please him in every way. Here's Rice. I was talking to a young student one time that had gotten into an alt, you know, into a, a very perverse lifestyle. And I started kind of deconstructing as he came to Christ. I said, how did you get in to this lifestyle? He said, well, this thought came to me. How will I know I'm not really like this unless I try it? You see, the enemy's constantly suggesting something to your mind. He's putting thoughts in your head. And so what does God do? God is saying to you and me, I want you to trust me. Uh, All he basically was saying to Adam and Eve is, I want you to trust my word. You don't have to go and experience evil and learn about evil. Learn about good and trust me. Adam disobeyed. And guess what happened? Sin ruined it, didn't it? In fact, sin always ruins everything. But what did Christ do? Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says that he obeyed. It says he became, because he obeyed, he became the source of our salvation. You see, Christ didn't just die for us. He had to live first. He lived perfectly. And then that qualified him to be the perfect offering for our sin. Can you imagine a 33-year-old man, a 33-year-old man saying, I don't do anything that my daddy didn't let me do. Jesus said, I do nothing that the Father, that I don't see the Father doing. There was no sense of, well, I'm in my 20s now, I'm in my 30s, nobody tells me what to do. In fact, Jesus obeyed God perfectly. And because of that obedience, he qualified to become the offering for us. Number two, Christ or Adam. In Adam, we were made sinners. In Adam, made us sinners. In fact, Romans 5, let's read this in verse 17. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Death became the vehicle. Death or Adam through his genetics, that was passed down to us. It says, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So through Adam, we were made sinners. And that doesn't mean that somehow somebody said, well, Why would we get penalized for what Adam did? We're not penalized for Adam's sin. We inherited a proclivity to sin. We are judged because of our own actions, okay? But I've noticed this. I have five kids. I never had to teach one of my children how to sin. I didn't have to teach them how to lie. Didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. Have you noticed that? That what is this thing that we have that all of a sudden we look up and go, what is this thing inside of me? It's a nature. 
It's a nature that wants to go in a direction that's wrong. And yet Christ comes and through him, he makes us righteous. I know when I came here in 1984, I was, it was in January, and I didn't really, obviously there's no internet back then. Al Gore had not invented the internet yet. If you know that there's a guy in America that claims he did that. And anyway, bad <laughs> cultural reference. But um, anyway, he, um, you know, I'm looking, I'm seeing the newspaper that there's turmoil in the Philippines, but that didn't seem to phase me. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go. By June, we were on an airplane with 59 Americans and one Canadian. My Canadian friends don't want to be left out when I tell the story. And uh, when, I, when I came to the Philippines, I saw this, this devotion to the concept of Jesus, but I knew that for many people that this was not the right image. I, I remember, and I, because I, I, I knew this kept me from God. Was, I, I remember going into the art museums like in the Louvre in Paris and, and, I, would, and I would go over to the images of, 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 the, of, the, of the demons and they were these big demons roaring, you know, fierce hair coming out of their eyes and, you know, ears and fire and I'd go to the other side of the art museum and it was kind of the fat babies and the little skinny women and I'm thinking, if you're going to have a fight between these two, I'm betting over here, you know. I mean, the image of Jesus, too, was this, you know, you know there wasn't much of a, of a manly champion. I mean, he didn't look anything like that. And I remember thinking, I'm going into one place here, one church, and watching people crawling on their knees down an aisle to rub the feet of a statue. And that made me mad. In fact, I, whenever I just started getting tired, I'd go down and just watch people crawling down, and I'd come in and preach to say God has not called us to grovel in the mud. He isn't calling us down on the ground. I mean, if I, if I had my children and they, I said, honey, where are the kids? And all of a sudden, one of them come craw came crawling in on the floor, you know, and said, oh, Dad, I'm just so unworthy. Just put my food down here on the floor with the dog. You know, I wouldn't say, oh, look how humble. Oh, what a wonderful son. I'd say, get yourself up off that floor. Sit down here. What's wrong with you? Are you kidding me? Are you on dope? No, he prepares a table before, uh, for us in the presence of our enemies. He is the glory and the lifter of our head. He hasn't called us into shame. I see people, I see people kind of tormenting, you know, they're torn. I call it torment praise. They're kind of praising God, but they're kind of swatting torment. It's like, it's like demons are all around them. And, they, and I'm thinking, God hasn't called you to that. God's called. He, I do this to my kids all the time. I say, look at me. Lift up your head. Look at me in the eye. They don't want to look at me. They get ashamed. Look at me. I'll grab him like this. Do you understand me? Daddy loves you. I forget you are forgiven. I don't, I, and I don't like it when my kids come, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn around and say, look, I've already forgiven you. Now, if you say you're sorry for the same thing you've been saying you're sorry for, and I said I forgive you, that's not pleasing me. Okay, I don't want you chasing me around going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry again. Oh, I know I had to. Well, what did you do? Well, I don't know, but I probably something. I'm just sorry. I mean, 
Do you want your kids doing that to you all the time? No, you want them to, you want them to say, in fact, that's what, that's what they do. You say, you're forgiven. Man, they're, 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 they're jumping in your lap. They're excited. Let's watch a movie. In other words, see, there's no condemnation. And that comes to the last point. See, the first Adam brings us into that condemnation. He brought death. But the last Adam, Christ, came that we might have life and have it abundantly. You know, that's what I came to Jesus for. I came because of life. It wasn't just fun. Fun was, fun is just, it, it never happens. I, I, every, when I, everywhere I'd go to look for fun, it had it, it either just left or, or, you know, or, or, or it, it had just left or it happened right before, I, you know, or after I left it got there. And everybody said, oh, man, we were having a great time. Well, what happened? Well, I guess I showed up. But, I mean, I, it was this elusive moment of searching for something. You know, everybody always was going, where, where's it? And they, we'd get to, they, the greatest fun was just anticipating once we got to a place. And when we, once we got there, it never was anything. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and gives me life. I don't, I'm not carrying a bag of bricks around. I'm not ashamed anymore. I, I'm not confused anymore like the little girl tonight who's not confused anymore about her identity. And let me tell you, you don't have to be confused. He comes tonight calling you, calling you into life. You know, think about it. Here, here's, the, here's the challenge. He said, in Deuteronomy, he says it this way. He said, I set before you two choices, life and death, blessing and cursing. Then it says this, choose life that you and your seed may live. Over 30 years ago, I chose life. Cost me what? Sin? Cost me depression? Cost me confusion? I mean, people said, oh, you must have given up so much to follow Jesus. Nothing. In fact, exchanging all of my sin for his righteousness, exchanging all my guilt for this sense of peace, exchanging all of my aimlessness for his purpose. He's calling you tonight. Listen. Over 31 years ago, I sat on the stage night after night calling people into destiny, calling them into purpose. I still feel that same voice of God tonight in my soul saying, call them into destiny, call them into purpose. Because you can be religious even if you come here. You may not be crawling on the ground, but you can be going through the motions. You can be raising your hands and singing the songs, but your heart be far from him. You see, tonight, let's meet, let's meet together with this real Jesus, perfect mediator, perfect, perfect, perfect redeemer, perfect substitute, perfect man. That was Dr. Rice Brooks, and you can find that clip on YouTube if you search under Rice Brooks, The Last Adam. You can also find out more information about him at ricebrooks.com. Dot com, and that is B-R-O-O-C-K-S dot com. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless.